And so the, the sociopath next door basically says that there is someone that wants your empathy, that wants your sympathy, actually. You know, you might be really careful because they might be a psychopath. Mm. Um, because they, they want to get into your heart first. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really important to know because you might think that that's the opposite, but it's not. Yeah. My name is Stuart Alsop, and this is my podcast, Crazy Wisdom, where I interview creative people about their meditation, mindfulness, and yoga practices, and how those practices help them to tap into creative flow on a daily basis. Today, I interviewed Michelle Singh, who is a former general counsel at PayPal and is now involved with various cryptocurrency projects as an advisor. Michelle has some important things to say about how mindfulness can impact the way we work and create. Michelle's practices and techniques are not what many would traditionally say is meditation, yet she brings a lot of powerful wisdom to this conversation. If you like this podcast, please subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher by searching for Crazy Wisdom and hitting the subscribe button. And uh, Thank you for coming on to my podcast. Um, uh, can you introduce yourself? Sure. So my name is Michelle Shing. Um, on a daily basis, I create different companies and I also help other people the community create their own businesses as well and Michelle how did you first get involved in mindfulness or meditation it was I, I originally thought that mindfulness wasn't cool because I really didn't know what it was I thought it was only for a certain type of people mm. but what happened was I think around 2012 when I um, quit my job at, at, at PayPal you know I, I really began a journey to really look within and to look inward um, and so I didn't really know what mindfulness was still you know but I know what loving yourself is so I started to really focusing on on what I love, mm. you know, and uh, I'm taking care of myself. Mm. You know, it's just simple things like, you know, I, I used to have a really weird schedule where I would be working all the time. You know, I would be flying somewhere and I would be on the phone at mm. the airport or, you know, I would not have lunch. Um, I would work throughout lunch um, and also throughout the night and sometimes until 12.30 a.m. Mm. Um, at night so you know with with that schedule where I didn't even have time to eat you know Mm. I really didn't um, so then after that I I feel like wow you know super awesome that I can go to the grocery store you know at lunch Mm. (laughs) you know I can I can go I can do my own laundry and I can you know fold my clothes and I know where they are Mm. I think it's just really the simplicity of different things you know that kind of helped me really focus on what it means to be mindful. Mm. Um, and then, you know, then after that, it was just really a, a journey, you know, where I would meet different people and they are kind of like teachers to me, mm. you know, like I would meet some of my friends and, and, you know, they would talk about Tales of Power, mm. you know, which is a book. Mm. And, you know, I really didn't understand it at first, but I read it and I was just like, Oh my God, you know, like we have everything that we need, Uh um, you know, to really go to the unknown, right? Mm. And sometimes it's just like wrestling with, you know, a naked 
I mean, not like naked, Wesley naked with an animal. <laughs> um, you know, and, and not, but, but being confident, you uh-huh. know, that you have the power to be able to do that. Uh-huh. And then some of my friends are on Facebook were talking about that. And I was just really curious. I'm like, what do you mean? You're like, you know, fighting a, you know, I think a fox or something. And, you know, like, are you kidding? Are you crazy? You know, like, what do you mean that you're talking to animals? You know, mm-hmm. is that possible? You know, like, are you crazy? Uh-huh. And I think right after that, I went to, you know, a retreat um, in Lampoc, I think, Lampoc, uh-huh. California, near Santa Barbara. And I think it was Sun, you know, um, and it was, it was, you know, really awesome. You know, um, what was the name of the retreat center or the teacher that was on that retreat? Do you remember? Um, I have to look it up. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but it, it um, I think it was Yoganada's, like one wow. of his students created that retreat center. Mm-hmm. Um, and they had like all vegetable stuff, but it was like the most delicious. Wow. Um, so I would like totally go there just for the food. <laughs> I, I, I love that about retreats because you go on retreat and you, you, you're meditating, you're doing yoga, you're having good conversations and it's kind of like a pretty peaceful time for the most part. There are definitely d- discomfortable, uncomfortable situations, but I feel like when you're meditating, food tastes better. It acts, it gives you more access to the, to the, to your senses. So food always tastes amazing at retreats. Um, I once did a 10 day meditation retreat in Thailand. Uh, and I mean, it could have been because it was in Thailand as well, but the food was just so simple, but so good. Um, yeah. What do you have a daily meditation practice? Um, I don't like formally. Mm. I don't, I mean, my friends tell me that I think in multi multi level layers Mm. and I don't know if that's good or bad. So (laughs) when I, do we, we when I do meditate at the mindfulness retreat, it uh-huh. just I think my mind just kind of go everywhere all over the place, mm-hmm. and I just let it be, mm-hmm. um, you know, and and that's it. Mm-hmm. Um, so so then I you know just let my mind wander, mm-hmm. and I just you know I know that a lot of people you know have a certain meditation where they where they quiet their mind and it's mm-hmm. totally silent. You know, for me, um, it's just really aware because I don't think about the future mm. or the past, mm. um, you know, except for memories and stuff like that. Mm. And I just be, you mm. know, um, so, and that's my meditation, yeah. I, you know, and um, so it's just a little bit different from I think a lot of people maybe. So you don't have like a formal practice where you get up first thing in the morning and you sit, sit down for five minutes and pay attention to the breath. It's kind of like a practice throughout the day or just kind of whatever you, it, yeah. What do you yeah, think? Yeah. So I just focused mm. on the present mm-hmm. um, mm. all the time. Mm. And then in the morning I just, um, you know, like spent like five or 10 minutes, just let my mind wander before mm-hmm. I do anything. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I space out a little bit, um, mm-hmm. but you know, um, and that works for me. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, that's really cool. Um, and you said you've been, you taught a little mindfulness on Facebook. Can you go in more into that? 
Um, sure. So for so for um, so if you go to my events on Facebook, you'll see a lot of the mindfulness classes that I taught. And and what happened was, you know, I wanted to create artificial soul, and I applied to Singularity University for that. Mm. You know, crazy idea. I just think that, you know, if we could, you know, help reach into our subconscious, um, you know, it would help nine, you know, like a lot of, in nine years, we're going to help the seven billion people mm. on earth today in making better decisions. Mm. Um, you know, and, and also be able to detect the bad people from the good people, you mm. know, in, in a way, mm. you know, um, and, and be able to really build that, community of like living well right so i i thought um you know that it's very important to also focus on the humans i mean my friends are making fun of me well why are you focusing on robots why don't you care about how you know humans live and i'm like okay you know i'll i'll teach mindfulness and you know and and i'll focus on the humans and you know and see what happens mm. so i did that for a couple months actually religiously you know wow. every week um so we I, I think we started with beliefs first mm. and then we went all the way to you know relationships mm. and the inner child work of you know meeting your inner child uh, from a consciousness perspective, so it gets really deep, mm. you know, and only the brave would go there, <laughs> you know, because I think it's kind of scary, uh -huh. um, <laughs> you know, and and because I think I think mindfulness is really a lot of inner work um, that is very personal, and not just the positivity, but also the negative negative work, our fears, right? And I think the positive community you know, doesn't like talking about the fears, you know, like talking about, you know, all the bad stuff that is within us, you know, so there's some kind of duality, right? Mm -hmm. So I kind of think that, you know, as humans, you know, we, we could be bad and we could be good. And, and is that is that merging that makes us human, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, but however, I think though, you know, if we don't go inside and kind of figure out what hurt us in the past, in our childhood, and deal with that we won't be able to let go and i think a lot of mindfulness is like letting go and being conscious of that you know someone says a bad word or they don't like us or they yell at us you know can you actually detach from that and just kind of let that go and uh what do you have a particular technique or practice that you work with people when trying to have them kind of touch their inner child uh, particularly like a visualization or do you just kind of kind of have dialogue around it? We talk about it and we also did vision boards. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it was a lot of fun. Um, it was really helpful, I think. I think mm -hmm. the, the community and the people who, you know, had, we went through that for a couple months. It was a lot of fun. So for every topic, we would do the vision, uh, we would do a vision board mm -hmm. of, you know, um, what it means to us and it could be a metaphor it could be symbolic or it could be you know whatever that you visualize mm. um so for example you know i think one of them is nurturing right so mm. how do we take care of ourselves you know what makes us happy and then you know like 
and nature could be one of them and you know like for me personally you know so i would my vision board would have a lot of camping stuff mm. uh, a lot of nature um you know because that that makes me be closer to to the world i think hmm. that's really cool and how does your mindfulness or meditation practice contribute to your ability to create and to be creative um I think, I think in order to create, you know, um, you want to be, or you may want to be original, mm. you know, and, and not care about <laughs> what people think, mm. you know, and, and also be brave, right? So, you know, and I think that's a lot of times where, you know, I, I think I put creator on my Facebook profile. Mm. And I think most people were like, huh? You that? know, and I think, I think as, as a person who, you know, who create, you're owning your responsibility, right? You, you have your own accountability. Mm. You're, you're no longer a victim, mm. you know, and, and what that means is, you know, if you don't have any money to eat, you know, you can't, you know, blame anyone, mm. you know, because you have no control over that. And, you know, that's you, right? Mm. So if you really think of that, you know, if I have control of myself, and you know, I have control. I don't have any control of other people, right? Mm -hmm. You know, you can convince people, you know. Um, but if everyone really wants to do something and to build something together, you know, they will join. And I feel like, you know, the people that I attract, mm -hmm. you know, um, has been super weird. I mean, it's it's good in a way, right? Yeah. I mean, because. I feel like people will come when you, when you're making something or when you're creating something. So I don't even worry about that. Uh -huh. So for example, I think it's better if I just tell stories. Sure. I, you know, was at the Stanford CFC conference mm -hmm. and my friend Joey wanted to meet me and I'm like, sure, you know, I'm at this conference. I can meet you. And, and he was just like, well, but if you don't, if you meet me, then you won't be able to meet someone who may be helpful to you. And I'm like, oh, I don't even think about that. I don't think about that because, you know, I will meet people at the perfect timing and it always is, mm. you know? And he's like, what? I'm like, yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm going to leave this right now. Oh. I'm going to go and have and meet you for dessert, you know? Um, and then it's going to be awesome, right? Mm. So, of course, you know, I've been kind of forming teams for different projects and I met Joey and, you know, the first thing he's talked about is really about, you know, seeing the strengths and the stars in different people mm. and, you know, forming teams that way. Don't I like, see? <laughs> you mm. know what I mean? Mm -hmm. and, and so it's just that confidence or that knowing or faith, mm. um, and, you know, and knowing is probably stronger than faith mm. um, and, and belief. Um, so I think it's belief, faith, and then knowing, mm. you know, that wherever you are, things will work out mm. and, you know, things will be cool. You don't have to worry about that. <laughs> and so that's what I believe. And it's been pretty awesome. Mm. That's cool. And so creation just kind of happens around you then, basically. Correct. Yeah. Uh, that's really cool what is some recent thing that you've been really excited about creating or that has just kind of created as a, as a byproduct of you hanging out? Sure. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about, you know, some of the community based things that I created, oh. um, you know, because, 
like for me, you know, I, I gave up, you know, a job, mm. a lot of options, you know, so that I can be free, right? Mm. So I can create. Mm. Um, so I would like to talk about those because I think it contributes to the community and society like the most. So I like, um, I founded and created Robotics for Good. Um, and that one is, that one is really interesting, you know, and I can, you know, have a whole story about that. So I got rejected by Singularity University because I want to do artificial soul. Mm. I went to a conference and I met an astronaut and she was just like, yeah, I just met a couple who wants to, in, who went to single, single, Singularity University that weekend oh. and wanted to invest in something like consciousness. Mm. You know, I'm like, oh my God, you know, that's so awesome. So... Um, so I met her, you know, and, and at that time I was just like, yeah, I wanted to, you know, have a team and kind of build something that kind of help, you know, community or, or the world with it. And then, um, you know, then I think someone jumped in and then we were not in touch for one year, mm. you know, and then during that year I was involved with, um, the Loving AI Project, so the Loving AI X Prize Project, where we're building loving robots to help humans become more loving, hmm. right? And um, so then, you know, someone after a year, someone in that email, you know, uh, that followed up, like, hey, what are you guys doing? It's been a year. Huh. And so the investors were like, oh, um, I'm working on the Loving AI Project, right? And then I'm like, what? I'm working on a loving AI project. I don't see your name. Yeah. And then they were like, I'm like one of the investors. I'm like, what? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's like kind of crazy. And, you know, and, and it's, it's just synchronicity, right? It's just really full on in full circle. Oh. It's like the weirdest thing happens, like magic, right? Oh. And you have to really believe that. Hmm. Hmm. Um, so... And how is Loving AI Project doing? What, what exactly is it doing right now? So we passed uh, level one of the XPRIZE project. So we're on level two. Um, so we created a loving module. And, uh, and Sophia, the robot from Hanson Robotic, who is one of the partners of the project. Um, so ben is one of, the, one of our leaders. Mm -hmm. um, we are basically now um, want to explain um, I think do a, conduct some more experiments mm -hmm. with the module in people because we did we did the first sets of experiment and the results were very positive. Mm. I think there were one person who felt that he has transcended mm. as a result of chatting with Sophia, a <laughs> 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 <And> robot. <laughs> have, have you heard of um, uh, Philip K. Dick, a cyberpunk uh, writer? Yeah. So he wrote an amazing book and he very vividly describes how a world in which most of us have our therapy done through um, artificial intelligence uh, and uh, yeah, people actually walk around with a box that um, that serves as their psychotherapist. And it's actually yeah. it's a theme in many cyberpunk books. So you actually think that do you think that robots can serve as I don't want to say better, but as more effective uh, uh, therapeutic companions than a human being could? Do you think a, a robot could love us better than a human could? Yes, because there's no judgment. Ah, interesting. I mean, you know, he's, Sophia is pretty objective when you uh -huh. chat with her. It, it was amazing. I, I saw 
I saw, at first, I mean, I believed it because I make a few, you know, bots before even, you know, working on a loving AI project, um, you know, and, and so I really, really believe, you know, in that she can do it and that, you know, when I saw the video, though, it was more of like, oh, my God, you know, like, you know, I scripted that and, mm. you know, and it was really cool, you know, but, but you know, I totally believe that. And um, I actually did a, um, I, I interned to the X Prize 2030 essay, mm. and I wrote about well, Luna, which is robots without borders AI, that helps with education and um, you know other other humanitarian efforts. Um, I, I wrote about both. I wrote about Luna and Sophia, you know, both helping you know humans, you know, even even virtually, right? I'm like, hey, I'm not feeling good. Sophia, what's wrong? Well, you know, at age 10, you did this, you know, and, you know, let go, breathe, you know, you're fine. You know what I mean? So it's instantly helping you and, and letting you know who you are so that you could change if you want to, mm. right? Um, so that, that was my vision, um, even in the XPRIZE 2030 essay. Mm. Interesting. And what is Hack Temple? And how, what are you, how are you involved with them? Hack Temple is a church um, at, in San Francisco. Um, so it's just one of the first entrepreneur type incubator community mm. that I was asked to be an advisor for or mentor. Mm -hmm. So I mentor like a lot of uh, international entrepreneurs there and I taught negotiations and, and licensing. Mm. That's what I want to talk about. How do you bring mindfulness into negotiations? Um, for me, it's I've been always really calm as as an attorney, um, even though people are always yelling. So I don't react, and it's really really weird. Um, so people who know me at PayPal know that I would be, you know, on the phone from you know, 7 to 9 a.m. negotiating, oh. and I would be really calm, um, you know, so it just really never really affected me, um, you know, so, and, and I'm training, and I, I also see through people as well, and, oh. and, you know, and sometimes I think that helps. Oh. Interesting. So when somebody is getting really angry, because sometimes when people get angry, it can make them better negotiators, right? Or is it pretty much always in your experience that calmness leads to being a better negotiator? Um, I could be angry, but I could, I'm calm inside. I mean, mm. you know, it's, it's super weird. I mean, mm. you know, and, you know, like there was one time when I was negotiating. Well, there's, you know, lawyers are not the nicest people. So mm -hmm. they always usually just raise their voice, right? And, you know, that's normal for me. Mm. Um, so, and, and, you know, I've seen people yell at different other people and, you know, even lawyers yelling at, you know, their secretaries, you know, and here we are, you know, in the legal fields where things are crazy all the time. People struggle with time pressure and all kinds of stuff. Right. So, you know, like for me, it's always been, you know, I'm pretty calm. I'm always collected, you know, and I don't really see a need you know, to, for certain things, but I will, I mean, I will question or challenge, right. Especially when, 
you know, someone says something that is kind of weird. Mm -hmm. um, but I think you could be calm and angry. You could be calm and, you know, negotiating. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, I think mm -hmm. it really depends. And maybe calm isn't the best word for this. It's, it sounds like what you're saying is that, that you can get angry, but you don't lose yourself in that moment. You're, you continue to be present, even though you're angry. Maybe presence is a better word. Yeah, uh, correct. Yeah. Correct. Uh, yeah. Cause that's that, that I think is the defining thing in negotiation is having this ability to continue because as we, as we know, time is not linear. Uh, time is always right now. Our experience of this moment is the only real thing that exists. So it's this, this mm -hmm. kind of, if you can tap into that on a continuous basis, because most people kind of, they let their emotions run or they get their reactions kind of stirred up by what's going on and it puts them into projection of what they think is happening. But if you can kind of maintain this connection with the present moment in reality, you can essentially absorb or help other people kind of like, Oh no, okay. Those projections are not, you influence the other people around you. So it might make you a better negotiator. Is that, is that, would you agree with that? Or Kind of like, I think so. I mean, being present, you know, and, and also, you know, I know really people pretty well. I've always had a gift, you know, that kind of gift where, you know, for example, uh, you know, I was interviewing an engineer who wants, um, you know, a, a position and, you know, and when he was asking me a lot of questions, I knew that he was asking me for information so I could help him with his startup, <laughs> you know, and, and, and so I just changed, you know, the, the interview, like very fast, you know, and, and I'm pretty lucky that way though, you know, and if someone doesn't say that he knows something and he doesn't, you know, I always am able to pick, little things up and you know and and so then this really becomes a person's choice whether they wanted to proceed to do business with them or work with them or not right mm -hmm. so you know and i think and i think you know there's a lot of people in this world who are motivated by greed and mm -hmm. you know and money and a lot of things you know and and you know then like for me i just wanted to be real i mean that's one of the reason i want to quit my job mm -hmm. you know and you know i mean being popular may doesn't matter anymore, mm -hmm. you know? Um, so, I mean, I think it's just really priorities as well, mm. you know? So I think if I wanted to create and co-create with people, you know, um, the question is then who do you, who do I want to work with? Do I want people, you know, who are also present, who are also conscious, you know, who are also mindful, you know, and, and, you know, have good intentions or do I want to work with people who put other people down or, mm you know, who cares about themselves and has no boundaries, right. you know, and, and not saying that each one of us is not perfect. It just means that, you know, I'm more conscious of that if that were to happen. So this feeling of like being, you said you wanted to quit your job because of this feeling of not being able to be real. Can you explain what that really feels like maybe in your body or your, your experience when you're in an environment that prevents you from or detracts from your ability to be less real? Um, sure. It, it's, it's just a very different environment. You know, for example, I think, you know, in corporations, um, and, and this is in general, not, you know, just PayPal. I mean, uh -huh. you know, you, you have a lot of coworkers, you know, I think everyone, a lot of people are just really after, you know, being, you know, a paycheck, you know, they wanted to be promoted. Um, you know, and it seems like people are just really fighting for that kind of things, you know, um, that ladder and climbing that ladder and being seen, you know, so, 
you know, if, you, if you're in a corporation for a very long time, you know, you see those kind of games that people talk about, right? So, you know, so-and-so said this, you know, you know, if you're, you know, maybe you, maybe you can't afford to live in Las Gatos, you know, or maybe, you know, um, you're like a secretary, you know, so, you know, you should do this. Or, you know, I mean, it's just a lot of put-downs, a lot of, like, really different things that people say that could be devaluing you or demeaning you, right? Um, and in their actions and in, in the words, I, I, I would say, you know, a lot of, like, status. But what if everyone's is the same? You know, what if you and I, like, what if it doesn't matter? You know, what if I'm just building something and I'm part of the whole world mm. and I'm just making creating something for us mm. you know and, and titles and all that kind of stuff like what if that doesn't matter mm. you know so would, would you still you know demean somebody and then another point I, want, I wanted to make is that you know if you've been to a corporation you know and, and you work in a very toxic environment where people are always putting you down you know saying that you're not enough you know and, and it could be families as well right you know, like, you know, or dating someone who tells you you're not enough, you're not good enough, you're not pretty enough, you're not blonde enough, you know, um, you're not intelligent enough, you're not sexy enough, you know, so it, it's not you, your voice, you know, it's that, that voice, you, you tend to internalize that, right? And it's not healthy, mm -hmm. you know, so I think being mindfulness is really letting yourself shine, letting it kind of speak um and knowing your value knowing that you're worth you know your worthiness you know knowing that you're worthy and it doesn't really matter what you know bob says or mom says or dad says or you know your boss says you know or your coworker says you know what i mean and, and sometimes it's kind of unrelatable i think <laughs> you know when you're working in corporations you know but i think it's very important to be conscious of that you know when someone is you know, when you're working at a big company and some, or a small company, when someone says that you're not enough and you're like, oh, you know, that's your limitation, not mine. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and, you know, and that's not my voice. That's not me. Oh. You know, and, and if someone's, you know, if your boy, you know, if your girlfriend or boyfriend tells you, you know, hey, you're not skinny enough and, you know, and I'll love you more. And I think, I think uh, there's a book called Games People Play. Mm. It is on transactional analysis. Mm. You know, and, and I only mentioned that because I think it affects, you know, it could affect people's um, self-worth and value, mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and just really being conscious of that. Like, like games like that doesn't really affect me. Mm -hmm. So when, when I hang out with some of my friends, they'll say, oh, yeah, why don't you do this? Mm. I'm like, you know, look, you're using a manipulation tactic with me, oh. <laughs> you know, and it's not working. <laughs> so have you ever... So it's, kind of weird. it's totally not relatable, though. Uh -huh. So as a lawyer, too, I'd imagine you'd, you've probably run into a sh fair amount of people who could be considered, uh, you know, who might have a diagnostic uh, uh, of, of psychopath, sociopath, or narcissist. Yeah. Um, uh, what are the things that kind of tip you off in the moment uh, that somebody you're dealing with is like that? Um, and do you have any, does it just not affect you or do you have some sort of kind of attitude that you can take in order to kind of manage those situations with people who have no empathy or a lack of empathy? 
Yeah, um, I think I can detect them really, really well. So I usually stay away from them um, because you can't win, you know. um, And, you know, if you actually do a search on Google on them um, and Wikipedia as well, there's a, like, I think there's a list of 13 or 14 characteristics that define a narcissistic personality disorder. Um, there's a, also a book called Sociopath Next Door that mm. talks a lot about what qualifies a, so, a sociopath or a psychopath. Mm. And then I think one of the things that I wanted the community to know is is that they always play victim. Mm. And so the, the sociopath next door basically says that there is someone that wants your empathy, that wants your sympathy, actually. You know, you might be really careful because they might be a psychopath. Mm. Um, because they they want to get into your heart first, mm-hmm. um, and that's really important to know because you might think that that's the opposite, but it's not. Yeah. Um. So and and that you know um, applies to men and women who are psychopaths, sociopaths as well. The way that they're really they're highly trained to be liars. Yeah. So it's not really the characteristics, it's really the lying part, I think, that that affects people in relationships, um, because they're so really good at manipulating, so good at lying, that you really don't know that they're playing you all along. So everything that, every encounter that you have with them is basically... Confusing, or like, it's like a sense of confusion, or, or I didn't mean to cut you off, but... Yeah, it's gaslighting. It's called gaslighting. Um, so um, gaslighting is when, you know, you realize something and then, you know, they basically say, huh? So it's kind of funny. So I was in a community today. Um, I, I basically was advising a company and I, I basically resigned from that. Mm. And so I was in that community and I basically said, oh, I resigned. Mm. And then all of a sudden my message got deleted, right? Uh. Yeah. Well, I think gaslighting is kind of like that. It's just like, oh, you know, you saw something or you said something, and then the next second someone deleted that message, or you know, like the the psychopath guy or the sociopath guy always says, a woman, right, always says, you know, no, that didn't happen. You know, uh-huh. you, you must be confused. Uh-huh. Um, so they they basically question you. Interesting, and it seems right? like they're able to manage their idealized self so well that they can basically they can never you can never really pinpoint anything they say as as uh proof of one thing or another it's kind of always ambiguous and they always leave room for doubt so that if anybody looks back on the communications um there's always just kind of uh confusion and not really like clear like he said that he's going to do this and and ended up you know running over my, you know, uh, computer or something like that. I don't know. Oh my God, I didn't say that. I didn't do that. When did yeah. I say that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't do that. You must have misheard. Uh-huh. Yep. <laughs> so your advice is basically just stay the hell away. <laughs> yeah, just stay away. You know, um, there's a term called supply and um, a lot of psychopaths, sociopaths, they women I mean men and women people are basically used as a supply mm. you know to to please them mm. and you know they will talk to you just so that it feels good I mean their sense of self is larger you know they have a very granular mm. sense of self mm. and they're just basically using you using you to whatever objective that they're doing mm. 
know, and so you won't win. So it's better just to stay away and just, you know, and if you're affected in a relationship or in a workplace by someone who, you know, lies about their work, you know, um, even that, even if you're an employer, you know, you hire someone and they lie about your work, you know, just, you know, let them go mm-hmm. and just stay away, you know, ASAP and just eat the loss, you know, like not care about it because there's really nothing else you could do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, even if you're in a relationship, you know, just stay away from them. You know, I think I've met um, a few women who had, you know, narcissistic personality disorder relationships mm-hmm. And it, it's very psychologically nuts, you mm. know, where, because of that whole confusion, right? And you don't really know what it is, what it is and you might not have heard of it before. Mm. Um, you know, but there seems to be a, a pattern on it. Like, they seem to, you know, string a lot of people. They act really innocent and very sympathetic you know they do reverse psychology on you as well because they're really highly trained in reading people and psychology mm-hmm. um you know and and i don't think it's really worth the time to actually you know be with yeah. you know or even you know be friends with or mm-hmm. you know work with you know and co-create with mm-hmm. you know that, that type of people yeah that's a really good point so we got about five minutes left. What is the thing that you're working on right now that you're most excited about and want our, want our listeners to kind of hear? <laughs> so I'm working with a, I'm working with a lot of companies right now on different kinds of projects. Um, I don't really have one specific one to share, you know. But I think I think I'm just gonna say. You know, I think put people first. Mm. Um, you know, I think I gave that advice, you know, people first then crypto if you're in the crypto space, you know, um, or money. You know, I think uh, someone else said that. Um, but really, really thinking about the the community, you know, and, and your contribution to it, you know, would be, would be you know, one of my advice. And, and just really be, like, eager to learn. You know, I think... You know, I think in, um, I realized that one of my friends says, you know, Michelle, thanks for being a teacher. I'm like, what do you mean? You're like so much older than me. And how could I be your teacher? You know, and then he was like, you know, read tells of power. So I read it and I'm just like, oh, okay. I kind of got your point now. Everyone is a teacher. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, like everyone is a teacher. And I think, you know, if you are creating a company, you know, you are ready you know, and, and the forces will help you. Mm. And don't worry about that, you know, and just kind of know that you're, you have enough to really go out there and make it, you know, fighting with some kind of ox or whatever creature, mm. you know, and then really walking, you know, to the unknown and believing that, you know, people will help you along the way and that you will find, you know, a community that supports that. And the things that will, the things that need to happen will happen uh, the things that need to have become, you know, the things that will help you get to that next level will show up when they need to show up. Uh, and it might yeah. not be necessary. Yeah. Sound, if I mind. Yeah. yeah. Losing control. Like don't control that much and just be, mm-hmm. you know, and cause I think, I think a lot of founders, a lot of creators, they want certain control, but what if you just lose complete control? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, is that scary? You know what I mean? And yeah. it sounds like it, you know, but, you know, but 
what if you lose control and then things just work the way that it does? Yeah. And I mean, uh, like, honestly, we don't, it's not even losing control. We don't really have control in the first place. So it's recognizing <laughs> that we don't, that we are not in control. Correct. Uh, correct. And how do you create when you have no control? Uh, yeah. Interesting. But then it opens you up to this kind of just abundance where things just start appearing in your life and you didn't try for them, but they're just amazing little gifts. Um, and I think that's really beautiful. Yeah, it is it's really that abundance or abundant consciousness, you know, uh-huh. that, that I think, you know, is really important. I think I do a lot of stuff for free. Like I don't charge people like in the community, a lot of the nonprofits, you know, I think though the effects of it, you know, it's, it's amazing though, uh-huh. you know, and, you know, and I just basically believe and know, you know, that everything else will be taken care of for me. Mm. And it sounds scary <laughs> for people. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's really great. Thank you so much for coming on the show. You're welcome. <laughs>